0: Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80.
1: Put my name up in the Every day it becomes more clear that there is one way to know how Lamar Jackson feels, and it's simply to follow him on Twitter. In a world where we've been saying, we want to hear from Lamar. We want to hear from Lamar. We want to hear from Lamar. For the second straight day, we get the direct truth from his eyes, direct from his mouth, direct from his thumbs. On social media, the question is, what's it mean? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM channel, Lady and your smart speakers. Just tell them hey, play ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And look, there are three sides to the truth: my side, your side, and uh, the actual truth, right? Like we all know that everybody has their own views on the Lamar Jackson situation, whether it's the Ravens and the way they see negotiations, and then Lamar the way he sees it. But we are now hearing from Lamar, and he went to Twitter yesterday and tweeted out. Let's get real. Uh, I'd rather have a hundred percent PCL than go out there and play horrible, forcing my, forcing myself to put my guys in a bad situation. Now that's selfish to me. That was part of a, a longer tweet where he also said, "How come all of a sudden I stood up because of money?" In which could I, in which I could have gotten hurt at any time within that time frame when we know the Super Bowl on my mind since April 2018, Harry. Lamar is coming out strongly saying, I don't appreciate the narrative that I quit on my team. I don't appreciate the narrative that I wasn't hurt. And all I think about every time I read tweets like this is what you said when he was injured, which is a PCL injury is serious. Lamar is standing up for any of these narratives that are coming out against him.
2: Yeah, a PCL injury is definitely serious. It's serious for a guy who is as elusive as Lamar Jackson, who cuts on a dime. And, you know, the athleticism that he presents to the game of football is a big part of his game. Now, that's nothing to diminish what he is able to do in the pass game. I'm just saying when you're athletic like that, you can't just go out there on, you know, a PCL injury that's not healed because you're going to risk it. And we even heard RG3 come out and say, hey, he went out there and tried to do the same thing and re-injured himself. And it kind of altered his career. So rightfully so for Lamar Jackson to feel that way and also to make sure he put himself first because I thought a lot of what Lamar Jackson had been doing up until that point has been, you know, even though he's a man of principles, he played when a lot of people told him he shouldn't, right, without a deal. And then it led him to the, to, to, led him to the situation that he's actually in. But I'm glad that, you know, he finally started to stand up and say, you know what, I'm not going to go out there. And half-ass things i'm not gonna go out there and compromise number one my career and also compromise you know my team in that manner i think that's that's just him being stand up and you know doing what's best for his career and also probably what was best for his
1: team it's funny to me that we're letting a good story get in the way of the actual information here right like because i only go back to what you've said stefania bell has said uh, former players that i've talked to that have had these injuries the number of people that have from the outset said PCL is is serious, but then there were some reports that, oh, well, maybe the team thinks he could be back, and uh, all of a sudden we take those reports, and we take the team's reporting of it as the gospel because it's just the way conspiracy theorists want to work. He points out smartly in the beginning of his tweet, this is a sentence that I think everybody needs to hear. I don't remember me sitting out of my guys week one versus the Jets to week 12 versus the Broncos. Like so we just presume that he was playing every single week and and fine with it and then all of a sudden a little injury is the reason he sits on the side doesn't it make more sense that his body wasn't healed and ready to go but we won't let it just be that simple everybody wants to make it this big complicated like like Lamar wanted to do this in some way to force the Ravens hands without even acknowledging Harry the important part of this which is Lamar even sitting out a game when he's up for a contract and he knows that people talk about the way he plays the game has more damage than it does benefit to him like it creates part of this conversation you think Lamar wanted any hand in creating a conversation about injury I don't
2: well for me it it, what bothers me is you know other human beings telling another human being how his damn body feels that's always bothered me it bothered me as a player when trainers did it and it bothers me to this day and one thing one of the things I do know is that you know usually team head trainers and doctors they're on the team side you have a selected few that you know would you know Do the right thing and ask the player how they feel, and you know who to trust. A guy like Lamar Jackson, I'm not questioning a guy like him who goes out there and put his body on the line every single day for his team. The man played last year when just about everybody told him not to play. That should tell you everything that you need to know about Lamar Jackson and if he was injured or not. I believe he was injured in a PCL injury. I went through an ACL, but I rehabbed with a guy who had a PCL. And I, I knew what the struggle it was for him to get back to playing football, and it kind of altered his career, right? And he was a first-round pick. This is a guy that I rehab with. So I, I know what Lamar Jackson is talking about, and I know he's not going to you know, give up on his team or sit out just because. I know he did it because he, he wasn't fully healthy.
1: He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Now, obviously, Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons. uh, At owners' meetings, we expected to hear from him. We've talked, you and I, a lot about the Falcons and where they are. uh, But he was asked about uh, Lamar Jackson. And this is his quote. I want to get your thoughts on it because you know this organization better than most. The quote is, looking at it objectively, there's some concern about whether or not he can play his style of game for how long that can last. I'm not sure. He's only 26, hopefully a long time for his benefit or anybody that he's signed with. But he's missed five to six games each of the last two years. This isn't like baseball and basketball where you're playing 82 or 182 games or whatever baseball is now. Uh, so you know, he said, I think Lamar's situation, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about players in other clubs. I think it's very different, and he also said it's a different player, a different time, specifically in reaction to the difference between Lamar and Deshaun Watson and their contract situations. When you hear that, Harry, what do you think?
2: Well, we got to dissect some things here because one of the things I do know, because I was playing with the Atlanta Falcons at the time, is that you know Deshaun Watson kind of grew up through that organization. Right? He lived about 10 or 15 minutes away from Flowery Branch in Gainesville, Georgia, if it was that, 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 that long of a distance. And he used to be our ball boy. So he was up there just about every day during training camp and throwing with us and being a ball boy and do, doing things of that nature. So, you know, Deshaun Watson kind of grew up in the organization. Also, what if Arthur Blank and company just thought that Deshaun Watson was a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson? Like, what? Why can't they feel that way? Like, you know, I know some, some people may feel like Lamar Jackson's a better quarterback. Some people may feel like Deshaun Watson's a better quarterback, especially at that time. And we got to remember now, head coach Arthur Smith came from the Tennessee Titans. You want to know who one, one person who used to torture us when I was with the Titans? It was damn Deshaun Watson. Because I was there on those teams as well. Also, Arthur Smith played against Lamar Jackson when they had the number one seed in the playoffs, right? And they were able to go into Baltimore and win that football game. So they have a lot of insight on these type of things and what they may feel like they wanted for their football team at the time. And at that time as well, Matt Ryan was still on the contract, but I knew that organization probably was trying to move forward with a younger quarterback and a more of a mobile guy. Right now on the roster, they have Desmond Ritter, who they believe in, who is also a mobile guy. So circumstances are, are, are a little bit different, but I think what Arthur Blank is saying there is that maybe they thought Deshaun Watson was just a better quarterback.
1: Which, by the way, isn't the end of the world. Like That's no. one thing that has been pointed out smartly by some of our insiders when I've talked to them off the record and just tried to get more insight. The number of times I've had smart people that you and I both respect and work with say, hey – Making it as simple as collusion, for example, is oversimplifying a very complicated issue. There are different reasons why different teams may not be interested in Lamar. Can I uh, understand why nobody would be interested in him? No. Does that make any sense to me at all? No. Do I believe that the owners came together and said, we don't want to do a a guaranteed contract? I also don't believe it's that simple. I think some ownership groups are going to look at it and say, to your point, You know, some ownerships are going to look at it and say, well, Deshaun was worth more because I thought he was a better quarterback. Some ownership groups are going to look at it and say, we're not in a position to win with the rest of our roster right now, so why would we bring on a quarterback at that expense when we're not positioned to to make a Super Bowl run out of it? Some owners are going to look at it and say, I like one of the kids in the draft this year. Like, it is possible for Lamar Jackson to have been hurt. It's also possible right now for owners uh, to have different reasons without having to come together in some uh, kumbaya dark room that nobody knows about to decide side that Lamar can't play, you know. So to your point, when Arthur Blank says it's a different situation, the way I take that is it's a different situation to him than Deshaun was to him at the time. And that's okay. Like all of this can be okay. There's some nuanced middle ground in this conversation. No. And you may have some organizations as well. That may feel like Lamar
2: Jackson is the better quarterback than Deshaun, than, than Deshaun Watson is. But you can't tell somebody, you know, the way they're feeling about a certain situation because you don't know the ins and outs unless you're in the room every day with them. And you just laid out some things right there, Fitz. Right, you laid out multiple things. I laid out multiple things within the Falcons organization and how they may be feeling. It, it's, it's all a matter of what your thing is and, and how, how it is at the time.
1: You know, Harry, it just, it hits me when we talk about this stuff. Like, we want to oversimplify some of it and it's all very complicated. And think about how many times we've been wrong about Lamar. Whether it's whether Lamar will come back and play. And then we were wrong. So many people were wrong about whether he would play last year. So many people, I think right now were wrong about the level of injury he had. So many people, nobody had a clue that he made a trade request. We've been wrong nope, about Lamar. Nobody
2: thought he could be a quarterback in the National Football League.
1: I mean, Hardly anybody thought. You're right. Like, all we have done as a media group and his fans have been wrong about Lamar every stinking time. And I think that trend started again this morning because one of our biggest experts had a take on first take that I think is absolutely wrong about what could happen for Lamar next. You'll hear it. We'll react to it. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Lamar
3: Jackson just laid down the gauntlet. He's not coming back. And this is him publicly I don't know how Lamar ever goes back to play for the Baltimore Ravens. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
1: Lamar Jackson tweeted that he requested a trade from the Ravens on March 2nd in a series of tweets. This is
2: huge
0: because Lamar Jackson now has publicly stated that he doesn't want to be a Baltimore Raven
3: anymore. And this is him publicly sharing his unhappiness.
4: Now Lamar Jackson is saying, I don't want another team to get matched by the Ravens in that contract offer. I'd rather go play for another team for the same amount of money or less than stay in Baltimore.
1: Sometimes I struggle to figure out why we just won't take the words people give us and run with them. We just presume that they must not actually mean what they say. And I felt that way this morning while I was screaming at my TV during first take. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance HD. Superstar this morning on First Take. By the way, looking uh, ever so delightful for Dress for Success Wednesday today. You've got like the Dress for Success, but also the Dress for Rock Stardom from the uh, <laughs> from the jacket. It is looking. Uh, what? How did Liam describe it? It looks. Uh, fly, fly? See, was was got it the was, black it,
2: buttons to go down with uh, the shirt uh, everything look, custom too we got see my little name in there
1: ooh, ooh, ooh you, you, you know what my name I, in there baby i, I, I see, look at that mm, still looks like you could get out on the field and play i uh <laughs> i went full ellen DeGeneres today uh it's it's the sweater with the shirt and a tie under it i used to wear this on the road all the time and it was jokingly called my ellen look all the time sweater you know rolled up sleeves I little like tie it. action you know it's like casual but still dressing for success uh you were dressed for success and looked looking oh-so-proper on first take, uh, where the conversation came up of what the future looks like. That's when, for the Ravens and Lamar, that's when Keyshawn Johnson from Key, uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max said this about the Ravens, their relationship with Lamar, and how it will all play out.
2: When you got your guy in-house, you don't let him leave, no matter what the situation is. Because at the end of the day, if somebody was to exercise that that option and say, hey – we're going to give you $240 million, and we're going to give the Ravens two first-round picks, and we're going to fully guarantee that money for you. Guess what the Ravens going to do? Okay, all right, we'll, we'll do it. We love you, Lamar. Next thing you know, Lamar's going to be walking through them gates at training camp with the coach's arm around him, laughing and giggling, and they're going to be talking about, see, I told you we would get it done. You know I love you, man. That is the way these things go.
1: Harry, give me your first take reaction to that. Well, my
2: thing is is that the Baltimore Ravens had ample time to make sure Lamar Jackson didn't go anywhere. Like, how many times do you have a unanimous MVP award winner, right? And he won that award in his second year in 2019. Now, he was eligible for an extension after the 2020 season. So you had after the 2020 season, you had after the 2021 season, you had after the 2022 season to sew up Lamar Jackson before Deshaun Watson got his deal. Right. But for some odd and apparent reason, the Baltimore Ravens didn't want to do that. So now they're in this situation where Deshaun, excuse me, where uh, Lamar Jackson potentially wants a guaranteed contract, something equal to or better than Deshaun Watson. That's not his fault. That's not his fault. You had an opportunity as an organization. And I think that's a lot of uh, one of the points that a lot of people are missing here. The Baltimore Ravens as an organization had an opportunity. Guess who? Guess who did do it, though? The Buffalo Bills did it, didn't they? Mm -hmm. With Josh Allen. The Kansas City Chiefs did it with Patrick Mahomes, right? So, if you felt like Lamar Jackson was your guy, why didn't you do it?
1: On top of that, to your point, I will re-emphasize what you just said, too. The first chance they had to do it was before Deshaun ever got his new contract. So, they could have gotten ahead of all of this guaranteed money conversation. The other part of it, though, like to me, I don't understand what people aren't hearing about Lamar being very clear. He doesn't want to be in Baltimore. Like I understand the thought of, you know what, they're just going to give him the money and it will fix everything. That's the way you apply logic to other players. But again, we've been wrong about Lamar every single time. And Lamar, at this point, has made it very clear he feels disrespected through this whole process. He feels devalued through this whole process. He's made it abundantly clear he doesn't want to play for the Ravens. He's also made it clear he's pissed off about the way they've turned the conversation to him quitting on his team. You think money fixes that? No, money doesn't fix that level of feelings. Like, money didn't fix that level of feelings long-term for Aaron Rodgers. It ain't gonna fix that level of feelings short-term or long-term for for, uh, Lamar Jackson. So, in my mind, this presumption that there's any amount of cash they can back up that's going to make him say, you know what, guys, it's all water under the bridge. What have we ever gotten the indication from Lamar from that he would act that way even if they pay him? He doesn't want to be a Raven. So the presumption that it suddenly comes together and everybody's happy totally forgives and forgets that Lamar's told us clearly he doesn't want to be there. Well, and
2: we should have have known that, though, too, because, you know, when Lamar Jackson went out and tweeted about his injury – you know, when Jaw Harbaugh had an opportunity within the media to state that Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson was hurt and if he could be out there, he would be out there. He didn't do that. He didn't do that, right? So Lamar Jackson took it upon himself to go out and let everyone know that he, he had a PCL injury and was more serious than a lot of people thought. And he wasn't at that point where he thought he can go out there and perform at a high level on the football field. We also heard uh, seen Lamar Jackson tweet that he demanded a trade on March 2nd. And lastly, Lamar Jackson... Sent a tweet to the fans thanking them. I, I, I don't understand how people think that Lamar Jackson is going to go back to the Baltimore Ravens organization. And for people to think he's going to sign that franchise tag, any little Nick thing that happened to Lamar Jackson, he could say, you know what, I can't go out there and I can play. Not saying he's going to do that, I'm just saying hypothetically. With $32 million, now the Baltimore Ravens have to pay. And I will also say he doesn't have to sign a franchise tag. He can set out this entire season if he wants to. He doesn't have to play on that franchise tag just because uh, of what the Baltimore Ravens uh, tagging him uh, w- w- with that tag. He doesn't have to sign in and play under
1: it. I mean, remember, Deshaun Watson was had already been suspended for a year before he actually got his mega deal and moved on, right? Like uh, the, You talk about guys missing uh, announced amount of time, prolonged amount of times, I should say. Uh, you've got to look at Lamar and say, hey, wh- why do we presume that Lamar is wired like anybody else? Think about it. He didn't well, I, get an agent, right? He's he, he exactly. come out. He's spoken for himself. He's been blunt in this communication. Through that process, everybody just keeps, not us, but many shows just keep yelling at him that he's doing all of it the wrong way. All of this is only, in my mind, going to make somebody that's passionate about what they think and feel right now dig in more to the values that they have that are helping them make those decisions. So this F- presumption. Re-
2: re- really quick. The part that got me with Key, though, is that Key said if it was him, He would sit out and hold out. So what make you think Lamar Jackson would? And Lamar Jackson's just going to patch things up with the Baltimore Ravens organization, in which I think think the relationship is fractured. I don't think they can repair it, honestly. And I don't think just money could
1: be able to do that for Lamar Jackson right now. Money is an important part of the way he sees his value in this process. But the rest of it is about feeling valued, right? Like, he's made that clear in his tweets. He's made it clear that he wants to feel loved, respected – valued he wants to feel like he's not fighting to be appreciated within an organization and he's made it abundantly clear he doesn't want to be in baltimore so the presumption that all of this is going to work out absolutely presumes that he's going to walk back every layer of that emotion not just the cash that is asking almost any person to do a million things that seem impossible to me i don't think there's a chance I think there's a better chance that he doesn't play in the league next year than he does play for Baltimore. I don't think there's a chance he takes another snap as the starting quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens. Coming up, while the Ravens wait to see if their MVP will return, one team is getting their MVP back just in time. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
0: The 76ers are fighting for the top overall seed in the postseason, while the Dallas Mavericks are in a battle for a postseason berth. And they go head-to-head in a critical showdown in Philadelphia tonight. Coverage begins at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on SiriusXM Channel
1: 80. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, you just heard it there. Tune in to NBA Action Tonight. The Sixers host the Mavs, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on select ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM, Channel 80. One of the many reasons to hang out and to be a part of that is because Tim Legler will be their ESPN NBA analyst. He's calling Mavericks Sixers tonight on ESPN radio coverage here. We'll start at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. You don't want to miss it. We'll get into that game in a second. Legs, obviously, a lot there. Uh, but all eyes right now are on the return of Kevin Durant. That's the second half of ESPN TV doubleheader tonight. What do you expect from KD when he finally gets back on the floor?
3: Well, I think Kevin Durant has shown us uh, one thing repeatedly throughout the course of his career. Whenever he has extended time off, he comes back. It almost defies logic how seamless he makes it look and how easy he makes it look. Um, I- I'm assuming there'll be, you know, as there usually is, some sort of a minute's restriction. So you don't know how much he's going to go. But I-, I have no doubt that he's going to look like he's in rhythm. Um, and he's the same you know, lethal scorer that he's been throughout his career because he has shown that he's capable of doing that, and it's not an easy thing to pull off. Kevin just makes it look that way. So I think he's going to look great, and I think he's going to remind everybody pretty quickly what that looked like when he first got to Phoenix and they got a couple games in before the injury um, because, to me, I think they represent the most legitimate threat to the Denver Nuggets uh, at the top of the West to try to represent the West in the Finals.
2: So, Legs, how much time does the Suns' big three need to figure things out?
3: Well, normally in this kind of situation, you know, you're incorporating you know, an elite-level scorer back into the lineup late. I'd say, man, you really like to see some, somewhere from you know, seven to ten games, I'd say, to find that. This isn't a normal player. And, and because Kevin Durant's the one guy in the league that you could literally inject into any group of four other players league-wide, and he's going to fit in immediately because he doesn't require anybody to go out of their way uh, to you know to acquiesce to him. He just goes out there and says, yeah, you do your thing. I'm going to be fine doing mine because I can score from anywhere on the floor and I can do it efficiently. So he's just never been a guy that required you to dramatically change what you're doing offensively. He will, he will take it upon himself to make sure he does what he has to. So I don't think they need nearly as much time. Look, there's seven games left on their schedule. That's enough time for Kevin Durant, and it won't even take that long. I think by, like, you know two or three games of this, I think everybody's going to be understanding exactly what kind of threat the Suns represent now that you're getting him back.
1: So, Legs, make me smarter because in the West I feel like there's a yeah, but on so many of these teams. How do you actually figure out who you can trust in the West?
3: That's a great one. That's, a, that's, that's the money question right there because – I look at all these teams as being incomplete versions of themselves. When I mean, you go right up and down the line, all of these teams have issues. You, know, and you look at Sacramento as, as the one team that has had incredible health. I think their top six scorers have only missed 17 total games. I mean, that's just unheard of in, in today's NBA. When you look at the top of these rosters and the top guys in the rotation, you know, and they start doing the math on a number of games missed. The Kings are in a separate category. So that's the one team that we kind of do know who they are, what they are. The problem is the barometer by which we're gauging them, like these other teams, we don't know what they are. And that means it's harder to even predict what Sacramento's stealing is going to be. What if what if Sacramento, you know, in the first round gets Phoenix? <laughs> you know, that's that's possible. So now this great year that they had, the reward that you get as being a three seed is to potentially get bounced in the first round by the Phoenix Suns who just added Kevin Durant. So and you go up and down, they're all like this. Clippers obviously missing Paul George right now. The Golden State Warriors don't have Andrew Wiggins. And you know, they've had a they've had just a wild roller coaster ride all season, defensively not nearly as good as they've been. Minnesota's still in the mix. You know, they just get Carl Anthony Towns back after a long absence. The Lakers have had all kinds of time missed with, with LeBron and A. D. We're still wondering, you know, are they can they slap it together here late? and make a run. Um, and then, of course, you got Memphis and everything they dealt with with John Morant. And, and, and even though they played well without him, that is a guy that you've got to incorporate back, and it changes things because he's got the ball all the time. So all of these teams have questions. And so, so to answer your question, it's tough for a guy like me to be able to figure that out. It has been all year, but I'm hoping to get at least some semblance of rhythm for these teams as we get ready for you know the start of the playoffs uh, to have a better idea of how this is going to play out. But, guys, it's going to be a weird year. You've got teams capable of winning the Western Conference that are going to be playing on the road in the first round. (laughs) A lot of dangerous teams like the Clippers, you know, like potentially Phoenix, Golden State, the Lakers. All these teams are very dangerous for these top seeds to have to play. So it could be a very wild ride in the early rounds in the West. We have the Mavs
2: uh, versus the Sixers tonight. uh, Legs, you've got to tell us, man, what is going on with the Dallas Mavericks? Talk to us.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think they're a team. Everything, everything you read is, is kind of accurate. I, I think the one thing I would add on top of the defensive issues and, and you know, trying to find the chemistry between Luka and Kyrie, I think there's, they lack leadership on the floor. And, and Luka Doncic is one of the best players in the league. He's one of the most dominant offensive players, you know, that we've seen in recent memory, the way he controls the game with his scoring and passing ability. But he also is, is prone to, you know, I think emotional. Outburst that hurt his team. I think sometimes he reacts too much negatively and wears it on his sleeve too much to what's going on with himself. Whether he doesn't get a call or he doesn't finish a play at the rim, or you know, guys are missing shots, and I think that can be a drain on a team. And Kyrie's never been a guy that's been a leader. His best role has always been next to the leader. Right, that's when he's been at his best. And he saw that when he went to Boston, and they said, "Yeah, it's great. Be yourself," but also, would you mind leading these young star players we have? and showing them how to maximize who they are. He didn't really want any part of that. He was there for a short time. Boom, he's off to Brooklyn so he can go back into that number two lane. So he's not really a leader. You know, he can do his own thing, but that's different. And I think that's a big problem with this team. His defensive issues are real. I think their, their lack of size a lot of times is real. And I also think they, they don't really have that will to get through the tough moments they don't handle adversity well and I think that to me has been their their biggest issue and, and look they're dangerous because of those two players um, so we'll see what happens in the postseason but I don't I don't think the NBA is the kind of thing where you can kind of just try to get it together at the last minute and go on a run through really good teams three straight ro- uh, rounds on the road and end up in the final so I, I'm just not sure I buy them as a contender.
1: It's funny, though, when you talk about that because you're talking about will and maturity and all of these things. That feels like it'd be an easier answer in some ways, Legs, if it was a basketball issue. How do you fix those sorts of issues this late in the season with this grouping of people when you're going into the playoffs?
3: Yeah, listen, it's not easy. And Jason Kidd's got a very difficult, challenging job. And I think his ability to communicate with those two players is paramount. And I said at the end of last year, I said if I was Jason Kidd, I would get Luka Doncic in a room and I'd get somebody, the editing team, to put together a 10-minute clip of all of the times throughout the course of the season that Luka Doncic put them in a precarious situation because he was dangling in the backcourt, talking to a ref, jogging back with his head down after something happened. And then you watch how it plays out on the other end of the floor and there's two or three passes are made, and that's by the time Luka Doncic should be back in the picture by then and now you play five-on-five. Five. Instead, somebody gets a wide-open three. Somebody gets a dunk. And, and just basically call him out on it and say, listen, you're the best player on our team. You're a guy that's going to be an MVP in this league. You are the guy that's going to be at the front of the bus when we have a parade route on on the top holding the trophy. We need you to understand how this affects our team. I just don't know sometimes if if coaches feel capable of having those kinds of conversations with star players. But that's really what he needs because there's so much more there to him as a leader Cause, because the play speaks for itself. There are other components to be in the face of the franchise that you have to embrace, and, and, I, and I think it's it's difficult for him and his maturity issue. So these are tough conversations to be had, and I'm not saying it's easy. That's one of the things I get to do as an analyst, guys, is make the very complicated, difficult things sound easy because I don't have to do it. <laughs> but that's what it's going to require, and and you know I just don't know if – You can have those kind of conversations right here at the end of the year when there's a malaise over the team with the way they've been playing. That's something that I think takes place in the offseason heading into training camp.
1: Legs, you make us all smarter, brother. Appreciate your time. Have a great call tonight, 630 Eastern. When you can start checking it out on ESPN Radio. Legs, appreciate you, brother.
3: You got it. Tim
1: Tim Legler there, ESPN NBA analyst, uh, giving us a great insight, which we need right now because it is time. It is time for Harry and I to apply the NCAA playoff committee selection process to the NBA. It is time to figure out who the top six teams are in the Western Conference. And if you don't just believe us, we'll get AI's thought on it too. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry,
3: the podcast.
0: Who's in and who's out? It's a a secret committee. Find out now from the Fitz and Harry Selection Committee.
1: It's been a minute since we brought the selection committee back to the world, but it felt like it was time. It's time because right now, nobody can figure out what to make of the wild, wild west in the NBA. So, you know how this works? We're going to take the same principles of the NCAA College Football Committee, head-to-head Home, road, strength of schedule, health, all of these things. And we're going to turn it into a top six. Who are the top six teams in the Western Conference? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel Lady Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. This is just for the West. We're not even including the East in this conversation. We are just trying to figure out who the top six teams in the West are. You guys will get to chime in on this in a little bit, too. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Give us your top six. Uh, we know how the committee works. The room behind the glass gets a vote. That's Evan and Devin. Harry gets a vote. I get a vote. And then we argue about it until we figure it out. We come to some sort of a two-thirds consensus, and somebody is usually not sassified. Harry, are we feeling good? <laughs> I'm ready, bro. I'm ready. All right. The guys behind the glass, we feel, we feel good about this?
4: Yeah, I'm
1: going to start this in a bit of a weird way because usually we have such a wild consensus for the top overall seed. It's not even difficult. It's like, all right, we all agree on. Do we all agree on the top seed in the West right now? Factoring in everything else, I'm not sure the top seed in the West is actually the best team in the West. I'm not sure. I don't know. Ooh. But Denver has done enough to deserve the top seed in my mind, right? Like I don't know why I would question Denver. 32 and six uh, at home, 19 and 18 is not the best uh, on the road, but 51 and 24 overall with presumably at least the MVP candidate because we can't say the odds-on favorite anymore. Uh, they've done nothing but take care of business all. Uh, uh, all year, they, uh, they I, they've also got the highest differential in their scoring uh, game to game in the West. So I I'm putting Denver at one. Me too. I have Denver at okay. the top seed okay. in the West right now. Okay, the guys behind the I glass. I could be
0: convinced at, De- at Denver at one, and I think I agree with you. But at full strength, I don't think they're the best team in the West. At full strength, all things are equal.
4: So, so t- I I look at this the way we did like the. Uh, college football committee the year that like Clemson was one but Alabama was four and they played each other in the semifinal like Clemson did enough throughout the season to be the top seed the Nuggets have done the most to be the top seed even if I don't think they're the best team I still think they deserve the one seed. and I think that's what the committee has done in the past in college that's yeah. where I land I that's feel I land. like I think, but let me
1: a very very quick follow-up question to each of you if you had to take Denver or the field and bet Harry's house on it field field Field. field. Okay. Field. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> and the, I'm not ta- and
2: I'm not talking about Yates. No. Oh, that's actually. Uh,
1: you know what? I'd still take Field. Uh, field Yates. I I think he he go out there and put up a battle. All right. So that's the one seed. Denver at the one seed. Although we all agree that that's only because they've done enough to deserve the one seed. So don't add us as you you don't like this. Uh, Boys behind the glass. You guys got a thought on the second seed? It gets
0: tricky. It gets tricky. tricky.
4: Yeah, see, here's where I think the Suns should be.
0: I'm just going to say the Suns.
4: Because I think, like, I saw, like, Lyft also talk about this Suns team, and for the three games that this Suns team played together... They were the best team in the West, but it's such a small sample size. I think they go at two, not one.
1: Uh, Harry, let me ask you a follow-up question. Why do they hate Memphis? Uh, all Memphis did was go out there and win without Jot ja, uh, through the course of not having their best player. There Again, you if you go a point differential, actually I, I misspoke earlier. Denver has the second-best point differential through this point of the season. Memphis slightly higher. I had them flipped in my there head. You go, Memphis man. is on a seven-game winning streak. They've won nine of their last ten games. Uh, you know, uh, eye test. Oh, eye eye test. Kevin
0: Durant, full strength with Devin Booker, Chris Paul. So, so, fit. You you have. I got Memphis
1: too. I got Memphis too. I can't find a way to knock Memphis below two. Where do Where do you have them?
2: Man, I I, I'm I'm with you, but not right
1: now. I'm with the Phoenix Suns. By the way, in a series right now between the two teams, I would put my money on Phoenix. Let's not get it twisted. <laughs> but but like, look, this is where like the, the nerd in me always comes out. Like, hey, the, the way you have played has to matter. Phoenix is uh, Phoenix. Memphis has played well enough. I had I had Phoenix at three. I had Memphis at two. Uh, do, do you guys have Memphis at three? I'm asking cautiously. Devin's giving me this snarky like, eh, I could be talked into it. Harry, who did you have at three? I had Memphis at number three. Okay, okay. I feel I feel pretty good about this. The guys behind the glass, did we agree on Memphis at three? I think we do. All I'm going to say
0: is I think Golden State is going to be higher than what a lot of people think here for me. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. oh. Okay. I mean, even though Golden State no is absolutely. No one asked you about
2: Golden State right now, but you want to throw it out there to try to throw some bait. I... Okay, here you go, Devin. Well, I mean, that's a
4: discussion, right? Like, who do you guys have for? Because the discussion here is – for us, the Grizzlies or the Warriors, I would put the Grizzlies slightly ahead of the Warriors, but I think they're, the Warriors have to be brought into this discussion.
2: Oh, my God. No, but, but, but I thought y'all just said the Grizzlies are three.
4: Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant, but the Warriors are in the discussion. You just bring no, it, yes, the the Warriors up the are wa-
1: not in that discussion for me because their their away record is trash. It's garbage. Yeah. Their that's away how, record is hot garbage.
4: I mean, how
0: many games is Steph Curry not on the floor, though,
1: for those away games? Still. You have to
0: factor in injuries. When you are
1: talking about the only three teams in the league with the worst road record are Detroit, Houston, and San Antonio? Come on! Like, do we not care about what we've actually seen? Do the games played not matter? For reference,
0: we asked AI, Open Chat, Jappy. They have Golden State Warriors as number one. Okay, that is true. And by
1: AI, we actually mean artificial intelligence. But if Allen Iverson wants to chime in on this conversation, AI, call us, 888 H. We talking about practice? Come on, (laughs) man practice? I'll talking the argument about practice. If
4: I put the Warriors three, they'll have a home game instead of a road game and then they'll be higher.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, Not surprisingly, we didn't even get through the top three before we started this disagreement. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. You guys can chime in. Who's your top four in the West right now? Give us your top four. Using the college football committee metrics, that's what we want. We'll keep breaking down our top six. We'll try and figure out all we've come to an agreement on so far are the top two. So we'll continue to see if we can get through the rest of them. Fitz and Harry will continue the committee selection process for the Western Conference next on ESPN Radio.
0: Fitz and Harry,
2: the podcast.